Welcome to My COVID Diary. My name is Andrea Hardiker and this is My COVID Diary. Like everybody else worldwide, I'm trying to get to grips with a whole new lifestyle during the corona pandemic. And I decided to chart my journey here. June 24th, 2020. Life in England is inching closer to normal. Non-essential shops opened their doors last week, with consumers still attempting social distancing by waiting in long queues, minimising their trips and browsing without touching. This is all very well when the weather's fine, but I'm not sure how I'll feel if it's still like this in winter. I'm not a big fan of standing around in the cold. I haven't braved that many shops yet, and certainly none that I would consider non-essential. When I see a queue at Tesco, I turn the other way and think, I'll go back later when it's quiet. Anyway, I've been decorating, so I haven't had that much time to think about it. But this type of shopping would be a funny experience for someone like me. I'm a browser, somebody who likes to wander around and think before buying. I don't like to be rushed, and I don't like the experience of negotiating one-way systems. I'm bound to get it wrong. Supermarket trips take me quite some time. I've never been a list maker. Feels too much like being at work. So I like to wing it, thinking up recipes on the spot and searching for ingredients. I tend to wing most things in life. It can drive people around me a little crazy if they're super organised, but it's just the way I am. However, I could certainly never buy something to wear without trying it on. I know only too well how amazing something looks on a coat hanger. But a coat hanger doesn't have arms, legs, a writer's bottom or war wounds from pregnancies long since past. I don't trust coat hangers or mannequins or even sizes on clothes come to think of it. We all know they vary from shop to shop. Similarly, I like to lift smell and read inside the pages of a book before buying it. I can't do this anymore. I've been trying to support our local bookshop by doing weekly podcasts with the manager, reviewing and chatting about our favourite and not-so-favourite books. The shop has now reopened and I really hope it continues to thrive. I'll miss our weekly chats. I feel so lucky to live in a town that has its own bookshop. Not many towns do. That'll be the first shop I visit, once the decorating's out of the way. We used to have a music shop here too, but sadly that went a few years ago. I always dreamt of taking it over one day, inviting bands in to play and perhaps running a small cafe bar there, although the premises weren't that big, to be fair. There were iron bars on the window which had treble clefts built in. I loved those, and I wish I'd asked for them when it closed. I've no idea what I'd have done with them, but I'd have used them somehow. I wonder if all this experience away from shops will ultimately make us buy less. I've read that shopping habits have already changed dramatically, with consumers purchasing more slouch-child clothing due to working from home. There's been much talk about the death of the high street, but I hope that somehow we do retain our shops. I'm a sociable person. I like to be out among people. I quite like people watching and I like the experience of looking in shop windows, even if I'm not buying. 
I live in a small Yorkshire town. When I first moved here nine years ago, there were plenty of independent shops selling jewellery, clothes, plants, toys, you name it. Over the years, they've gradually disappeared. New shops tend to only last a few months, and high street stores have really taken over. The town has a very different feel now, less unique. And anyway, most of the shops are coffee shops. So, as life carries on and pubs prepare to reopen in one way or another next week, I myself am preparing for a big birthday. In a few weeks' time, I'll be 50, which is a shock in itself. I was hoping to lessen the blow with a trip to a Scottish island somewhere this year. Orkney, probably, seeing as I've yet to go. I miss home so much. I miss the landscape, the seaside, the humour and the warmth of the Scottish people. I miss square sausage, even though I'm vegetarian. I miss square rolls from the bakers. And most of all, I miss my family. Mum has repeatedly asked when I'll get up there, but I'm not sure it's really in my hands. With Scots not allowed to travel more than six miles at the moment, and on much stricter lockdown rules, it doesn't seem likely I'll be allowed back for a while. One of the treats I had planned to do this year was to visit a violin shop back in Falkland in Fife, which has become something of a legend to me over the years. This is one of those I met a man who knew a man stories. But the story goes that in the tiny village of Falkland, there is a wee man who runs an exclusive fiddle shop. And if he trusts you enough, he will show you where he keeps the real McCoy. Then barter with you over a glass of whiskey until you leave the shop either pissed and skint or with a brand new spanking fiddle. That's what I mean about local shops. Sometimes they provide a bit of an experience and I like that. I'm not sure how we'll celebrate my birthday now. It'll seem a bit odd without family and friends around. I mean, it's a small thing in the scheme of things, but I really would like at least to know that sometime soon I can go home. I've watched childhood friends post details of their in-house celebrations all throughout the year. We were all meant to be planning a reunion this year, but goodness knows if that will happen. I love my childhood friends. I think I've said this before, but I consider them like cousins. When you think about it, they're the people you grew up with. They know you in a way that many others don't. They saw you happen. On my 40th, I was lucky enough to meet with some of the best friends I've ever had. Don't get me wrong, we all had our moments back in the day, but to be able to laugh at those moments, to laugh at ourselves and to still click was just incredible. Lots of people tell me they can think of nothing worse than meeting old school friends, but to me that's kind of sad. I can think of nothing better. The laughter we share is raucous and it seems that none of us have ever really grown up. Sadly, two school friends of mine never even made it to 50. It's a strange thing when you find out an old friend has passed and you still consider yourself relatively young. It makes me re-evaluate everything I do and appreciate so much more. Stella, one of the cleverest girls in my class, died tragically aged 47 when she fell off a Swiss mountain three years ago. She'd been living over there for years and walked her dog on the mountain daily. On that particular day, she just slipped. 
I still find it difficult to talk about how she died. Stella was a colourful character, always bright and sunny. She was much taller than me, had a smile that lit up a room and was far cleverer when it came to maths. During much dreaded tests at primary school, she shared her answers with me until we got found out. Of course, the teacher knew right away who'd copy too. I got in big trouble, adding more shame on top of the shame that was already there. Which gets me to thinking, it's so much better to find out why people do bad things than merely to focus on what they did. But that's another story. Now I couldn't give a toss about being bad at maths. It's not my strength, so what? But at the time, it was painful. Stella and I reunited first on Friends Reunited when it started in the late 90s and later connected on Facebook. I guess that's the nice thing about the internet. She was a big reader, loved her books and had strong opinions, especially when it came to religion. We were both raised Catholic. She was also great fun. Two days before she died, we'd been texting each other about a priest we both knew. She had met him in Switzerland, bizarrely. He was Scottish and a good friend of my sister's. It was late at night when we texted and we promised to catch up properly, to freak out about the coincidence. But sadly, that never happened. I found out that she'd died on Facebook, which is a strange thing in itself. I thought it was some kind of sick joke. I'd woken in the night and reached for my iPad as a distraction from insomnia. I did notice loads of pictures of Stella flooding her timeline, but that was nothing new. She liked her photos. But there were the initials RIP at the top. The funny thing is, I think I read those initials at least ten times before it finally sank in. And I thought, wait, what? Why are people acting like she's no longer here? I remember just staring into space, utterly confused. It seemed impossible that she could be gone. I was genuinely sad. She was a woman who was full of life, a colourful character and someone I truly respected. I'll toast her this birthday. My second childhood friend never even made it to 40. Katrina was my best friend in the early years of high school when best friends were everything. We were inseparable. She was another clever lassie, slightly wild and really brave. I looked up to her so much. When Katrina walked into a classroom, all eyes were upon her. She had the coolest of everything, hair, clothes, shoes, piercings. She smoked way before we were supposed to wore her skirts much shorter than we were allowed to, and she was a brilliant netball player. She was also very good at English, and we'd get a bit competitive with each other during tests. We lost touch over the years, until I bumped into her in a restaurant back home. I think my daughter was toddling, so I would have been in my mid-thirties then. We chatted straight away, letting our food go cold while our families got on with their meals and we promised to email, which we did, regularly. I'm a bit of a hoarder at times and I kept all my teenage diaries so we had a right laugh at some of the excerpts, sharing memories. She mentioned briefly that she hadn't been well. Cancer, she said quickly, then changed the subject. I wanted to ask more but sensed that she wasn't keen to dwell on it. 
That was Katrina all over. She never licked her wounds. She just faced life and took whatever it threw at her in her stride. I figured perhaps it was nice that our emails didn't focus on her illness. She wasn't the type to let that define her, so we never discussed it. We just laughed and remembered. I'd just moved house when Mum called me to let me know she'd passed, and I was genuinely gutted. I think about her regularly. She was the one friend I had who always asked me to play piano for her. She genuinely liked it. I always tried to hide the fact I was musical at school because it really wasn't cool. I hid my clarinet in a school bag and slunk off to orchestra practice, secretly mortified that the music teacher had made me join. So it surprised me when she expressed an interest. I mean, she was so cool. Perhaps it was down to her love of the 80s US programme Fame, which hit our very limited television screens around 1981. The pair of us quickly became obsessed with the programme, which was set in New York at a performing arts school. It chronicled the lives and hardships of students attending the school, from their additions to their freshman, sophomore, junior and senior years, and Katrina and I both secretly longed to go to a place like that. I remember saving up my pocket money to buy her a picture disc of Friday Night, one of the hit songs from the show. I bought it from an independent music shop called Europa Music back in Dunfermline. It was tucked up a side street, quite a bit away from the main shops in the town, which made it even cooler. We later bought badges and singles from there when we had decided that we were actually mods. At that time, we were obsessed with Booker T and the MG's tune, Green Onions. Later, during our email communications, she once told me she wished she'd been a journalist. I think she'd have made an excellent reporter, and whenever I'm tempted to procrastinate over some project or another, which is a lot, I think of her and of the chances she missed. She was such a huge influence on my teen years that I actually made her into a character in my first young adult novel. That novel still needs a rewrite, to be honest. But the point is, she was the favourite character of all who read it. They said she just leapt off the page. So yes, I'm moving into a new decade and I'm determined to make the most of it. I've been writing a list of things I really want to achieve. First, being able to write more songs. I managed to write something new this week, this time dedicated to one of my current friends and bandmates, Cathy, another strong, independent woman who's always smiling and never complains. I loved writing the song for her and can't wait to hear it come together with her magic touch and harmonies. I might even play it on a podcast if we get a polished enough recording. Turning 50 is a huge reminder that life is short and of what is important. I don't want to waste time waiting in queues for shops when I have so much I want to achieve. So perhaps for once in our lives, the hardacres might actually find out that we're saving money. Although between you and me, my eye has already been turned by an auto harp, a really cool instrument used by my favourite band, First Aid Kit. That said, in many ways, COVID-19 and the lockdown that has resulted from it has made us all re-evaluate things. I know how grateful I am just to have a garden, woods, moorland and a river close by. 
and simply a roof over my head. I just hope I don't lose focus when we're through the other side. And for now, I'm going to enjoy every last day of being in my 40s. <laughs>